Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and welcome to my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore the LDS scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. I'm a longtime gospel doctrine teacher, sometime institute and seminary teacher, and a current theology student. My friends and I are often discussing history, context, and theology, and thought that you might appreciate it too. I think of it as a bridge between academic and inspiration. However, these opinions are my own and not an official representation of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks again for listening, and I hope this will be a blessing to you on the road to discipleship. Welcome back. We are the 20-Minute Scriptorian, and we are back in 1 Corinthians. So we've been in 1 Corinthians for a little while, and it just gets better and better. Uh, this is part of Paul that just is applicable, it's practical, he's dynamic, and that's going to continue today. In fact, we're going to do today and one more section on 1 Corinthians. So buckle up. It's going to be exciting. So let's. here's what we're going to do. We're going to find out what are these spiritual gifts. And it is, wow, this is powerful stuff. So let's jump in and find out what are these spiritual gifts. So we're going to hit 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 today for sure. And we'll definitely jump out into some other scriptures as well. As well. All right, let's do it. The first thing we have to remember, I think, about where we've been is a quick overview, or reminder. Now, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, the saints living in Corinth, and remember there were problems, and he had gotten word from Chloe and a number of others um, that there were big problems in Corinth, and so he's been writing and talking to them. Most of them are pretty new members, right? Everybody is at this point in time, and they're unfamiliar with how things work. Also, they're taking a lot of their cultural biases and they are applying them. So Paul's going to write, he's going to identify one of the problems, and then he's going to show how the gospel of Jesus Christ is the uh, remedy for that problem. And so we've talked about some of the things with food and we've talked about some of the other issues. And then he turns to this. But here's the thing, if we don't remember the context, you might not understand what he's talking about in these scriptures. Okay, so keep that in mind that there were these problems and and then this is what's gonna happen. Now, if you read on past chapter 12, he's going to describe a little bit of what's going on with these spiritual gifts. Um, but let me just paraphrase it for us. Um, he tells us that in the congregation that the different saints, the different members, would have this heightened spirituality, these kind of ecstatic events. Um, we've probably seen some of those in our day and age. Uh, you don't see them in church very often. You do see them in other congregations and certainly different cultures from maybe North America are more prone to them. Nothing wrong with them at all. In fact, we're going to see how they're awesome. However, what was happening is they would, someone would speak in tongues and then someone else would jump up and interrupt them and testify of something. And then they would, they would just be kind of mayhem and disruption. And, and Paul's like, I love the way he says it. He's like, if a visitor were to come and he were to walk in and see this, he would say, are you out of your minds? And and they're gonna go away. It's like, you're like what are you doing? And so it was very disruptive. It, it was uh, really not bringing the spirit into the meetings. It, it was becoming, it's probably the cultural thing. And I remember they had this heightened spirituality, these spiritual experiences. So I think what they're doing a little bit here is they're mimicking what they see in other religions. And some of the other religions, it would be nonsensical as well. So the more kind of 
hyper or whatever you were, the over the top or this excessive uh, reactions you were having to some kind of presence of the spirit, some kind of uh, inf influence of a god in the Greek religions would show how spiritual you were. And so I think they were trying to say, I'm feeling the spirit, and then they would kind of go overboard. So he's saying, hey, caution, caution, caution. And in fact, he's more than caution, right? Are you out of your minds? Is what he says. Are you crazy? What are you doing? And it doesn't bring unity. It doesn't bring the spirit of Christ into the events. And and so that's, the, that's what he's talking about here. And he's going to correct how the spirit works with us. And so he's not going to say they're bad. He's just going to say, we've gotten off track. And so that's the problem that he's identifying. Now, as I read through this a little bit, here's a challenge. Uh, maybe take a look at it and say, are there events, kind of like what we talked about last time, where the food might be hard for the weaker, as he called them, the weaker of the saints? There might be a situation in which our behavior or our cultural practices or something just inadvertently is offending others or it's making it hard for them to believe or is they're weaker so they don't understand what you're doing and he is saying stop it um the spirit of christ unifies and so you're doing it wrong so think think as you read through and you might not say well i'm not speaking in tongues and i'm not having um these prophesyings and things like that in in a sacrament meeting but Maybe there's something else that we do. And so that's that's kind of challenging. So I'm going to read a little bit about what he is talking about, and then we will continue on. So I am in 1 Corinthians 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. So he's saying, remember the religions you had? These, these dumb idols didn't speak, um, but there you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God called Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. These are two quotes, so it's really hard to understand this, but there are two quotes. So there must have been a phrase, Jesus is accursed. We know in part of Leviticus that if anyone says was hung on a tree, namely um, killed that way, that they would have said they were accursed. And then, or it could have been something that's something they were saying at that point. We know later that uh that certain romans would have said well they're they're cursed I and mean, this is just christianity is crazy or they would say jesus is lord we don't find that to jump either of those phrases the jesus is lord is an exact copying quote when you would say caesar is lord caesar is the savior is kyrios and so it's kind of like you're saying well i'm abandoning caesar jesus is the lord and so he's quoting these two ends that people must have been saying. And he's saying, so no, nobody speaking by the Spirit of God would say Jesus is accursed. So if someone's saying that in the meeting, they're not being led by the Spirit. But on the same token, if you recognize that Jesus is the Lord, that's okay. that, that has to be the Spirit. Now, so then he jumps back. Okay, so there are many diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, right? going to say there are lots of different parts of this but they're all part of the holy spirit they're all part of it and they're different gifts and he says and there are differences of administrations but the same lord and there are diversities of operations but it's the same god which worketh in all but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all for to one it is given by the spirit the word of wisdom and to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit 
to another faith, and by the same Spirit to another the gift of healing, by the same Spirit, and to another the working of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worth, worketh, that one and the self same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So he's saying it's not, it doesn't pull you apart. Everyone has their own spiritual gifts. And he lists a bunch. We'll talk about some of them. But they're part of the same group. So when you're all having, you know, there wasn't one that's better. And that's what it sounds like was happening. Someone's probably using some of the knowledge or their speaking skills or something. And they are, I'm, in, I'm the most spiritual. And they're like, no, it doesn't work like that. It's like part of the body. You need all of them. You guys need to be unified. You need to be working together. And not anything's not better than anything else. It's the same Holy Spirit that's working in us. Now, he lists a few that I think are super interesting. Um, you can find some of these in Moroni 10. You can find some in Doctrine and Covenants. There are a few in Romans and Galatians, uh, Galatians uh, Colossians as well. Very couple mentioned here and there. And then Second Nephi mentions uh, this, the gifts of the Spirit. So, But three big places are Doctrine and Covenants uh, 42, 46. And then uh, Moroni 10. And then here, 1 Corinthians 12. So those are your big three sections. Anyway, um, he says, the one that I liked was the first one that he says, and one is given the spirit of the word of wisdom and the other the word of knowledge. This is not the word of wisdom in section 89. This is probably something like uh, wisdom, having, understanding, like what we say someone's wise. They, they have knowledge, but they know how to apply it, right? So someone is very wise and then someone else might have a lot of knowledge. They're both good. One has wisdom, one has knowledge, right? They're different. Um, and then others have faith. Other have gifts of healing. Other have the working of miracles. Other have prophecy. Um, just a note on this prophecy. He talks a lot about the gift of prophecy. It might be the gift of prophecy, how we use the word in English, meaning to tell the future, a predictive event, right? I'm prophesying it's gonna happen in the future. But typically how they use prophecy is um, someone that understands covenants, someone that is testifying of the Spirit, someone that is, think of the prophets. They didn't sit and tell the future all day. They told what God wanted um, and were kind of covenant watchdogs. And so he might be talking a little bit more about that rather than saying the future is nigh, although it's certainly part of it, just heads up. Uh, and then some of the others he mentioned. So really cool, but he's trying to say, look, here isn't a better one. They're all parts. They're all parts. Um, fantastic, right? Do, what do you think about that? What do you think about gifts of the Spirit? Think about what culture you're in, what culture you grew up in, because I think it has a lot to say about it. Do we find them something we strive for? Do we know what they are? Do we feel like we have one? Because it's told that each of us is given at least one and that we should ask for more and strive for them, right? It's part of how the Spirit works in us. We'll talk about this in a second, but we think, and, and the reason I ask is this, do you say, oh yeah, they're, they're pretty cool and they're great, except for those, those are kind of weird. Or I have seen other denominations and they make me uncomfortable, right? They're really um, over the top. I had some friends when I grew up that had uh, speaking in tongues and things that were unintelligible and they just said it was just what happened and it kind of sounded like baby talk and different things. And I, Now we were high school, so they might not have understood it very well, but 
even in their own denomination, it was not, they were not Latter-day Saints. But I remember thinking that's weird and creepy. And if someone has some big spiritual experience, it was like made me uncomfortable. I, I mentioned that because maybe in some of our culture today in Western culture, we're a little bit less, um, focused on them than we used to. But think of article of faith 12. It says, Hey, we believe in these gifts of the spirit. So, uh, anyway, that's a little bit me. I think they're awesome. So don't misunderstand me. I think they're real and they're important, but sometimes I find my culture encroaching on that a little. I go, Ooh, oh, that's weird. And then I read some other things about them and I think, wow, I think Paul's got a point that they're using them maybe incorrectly, but they are vital. So let's go to Moroni seven for a minute and, um, and talk, well, before we jump to Moroni 7, I lied. Stay in here, and then I want to talk about how what Paul's going to talk about. Now, there's a famous chapter next, 1 Corinthians 13. So before we jump out of Corinthians and go to Moroni, uh, let's finish up Corinthians. But he says, um, we if you know 1 Corinthians 13, anybody, can you think of it? You know what it is? Yeah, it's the, uh, a lot of times you hear it at weddings. So it's the charity never faileth and love is kind and love is temperate and love is this and love is that. And it's not that and that's not that and it's not that. Um, and so it's uh, various interpretations in the Bible. We'll use the word love. We use charity um, and not the charity. It's like just giving stuff to somebody who's poorer than you. It's not that. Um, Roni calls it the pure love of Christ. And so love in English is a really big word. And so it's kind of overdone. So think about this for a second. You can say, I love pizza. You can also say you love your children and you can say you love to sleep in. And so love is this big gushy word in English that it doesn't really help you out very much because you can use love to say you like pizza or your children. And you've probably heard the lessons where they decide, describe the different definitions of love in Greek from a passionate love to love you have brotherly love, like Philadelphia is the word, or if you have um, agape love, which is more like charity. Yeah, it love is a hard word to define. So don't think of it as passionate love, although that's what happens in 1 Corinthians 12 and why it's read at weddings. It's cool, not quite probably quite ex exactly what they're saying here. But 12 and chapter 12 and 13 of Corinthians go together, okay? I'm not going to redefine love or charity. Just know it's a little bit bigger than that. You, you're smart enough, you, you get it. But let's go back because they trail into each other, and it is some of the most sublime writing in all the world is, six, is this section. So go to the very end of 12. Let's go there. And he says... Um, Hold on, let me grab that. So go to the very end of 12. In verse 26. And whether, uh, I'm sorry, verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, third teachers after the miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. He's saying there are all these different parts, right? We use the scripture a lot to talk about apostles and prophets. It, it, they understand that, but that's not the point. He's saying there are all these different parts and they're all part of this body of Christ. We're all important. And he says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? 
These are rhetorical questions. The answer is no. We're all one or the other. And then he says, have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And then he goes into this sublime chapter, but it's coming off the end of 12. Listen to it again. But covet earnestly, desire, crave, go get the, as much as you can the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. All those gifts and the more excellent way is this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Do, doth not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, Thinketh no, thinketh no evil, Rejoiceth, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But where, whether there be prophecies, there shall, they shall fail. And whether there shall be tongues, they shall cease. And whether there will be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. And when that which is perfect is come, then that which is part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish, childish things. For now... We see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and then shall I know, even as I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But greatest of these is charity. Wow, I, I can't top anything that he says there, right? Powerful, powerful. He's saying there are all these different parts and they're important. And even you might have some of these great gifts. Charity, love, the pure love of Christ is what it's all about. And he describes it. It's not this. It's not that. It's these awesome, wholesome, powerful things. And that's what we look for. That's what we become. Not speaking out in church. Not making sure I'm the one that has the most visions or the most things. It's like, it's so that I become more like Christ. Those are important parts. But it pulls us into the pure love of Christ. Take just a few seconds and let's go to Moroni. Moroni says it really well. Now remember, Moroni is finishing up the Book of Mormon. And it before he gets to, oh, um, when he's still writing in, in Mormon... And then he puts an ether and then he gets to Moroni. Uh, Moroni is very, he seems very down. <laughs> he's watched his whole civilization 
destroyed his every friend and family member he's ever known killed and he's fleeing for his life and it is a tragic story and then he comes back and you sense something else in him and i love what he says in seven he says my wherefore uh, it's chapter 7 27 in moroni wherefore my beloved brethren have miracles ceased because christ christ hath ascended into heaven and he sat down on the right hand of god to claim the father his rights of mercy which he hath bestowed upon the children of men remember the question have miracles ceased for he hath answered the ends of the law and claimeth all those who have faith in him behold i say unto him skipping down to 29 have um, i say unto you nay behold i say unto you neither have angels ceased to minister among the children of men and then he goes on and he jumps over and he tells some more and it just gets more and more powerful and then he gets to chapter 10. now remember in chapter 10 we get above this he's like i'm writing a little bit more so that one day someone will read these records that i'm writing and then we get moroni's promise and then he jumps to just the most powerful i think the very powerful if you were ending the book of mormon and you were saying this is for generations to teach them of christ what would you say and what does he say he talks about being converted to christ and the spiritual gifts and he immediately goes in to them after Moroni's promise. And he says a different list, uh, slightly different than Paul, but he's like, hey, one is given the spirit of God that he may teach and another to teach the word of knowledge and to another exceeding great faith and another gift of healing by the same spirit. And yet another, he that worketh mighty miracles. And again, to another, he that he may prophesy concerning all things and to another, the beholding of angels and ministering spirits and again to another all kinds of tongues and to another the interpretations of tongues and all these gifts come by the spirit of christ and they come unto every man severally according to his will and i would exhort you my beloved brethren that ye remember that every good gift cometh by christ and i would exhort you that ye remember that he is the same yesterday today and forever and then he goes on and he says, he says the same thing. Wherefore, there must be faith and there must be faith that there might be hope. And in there must be hope, there must be charity. And except ye have charity, which can no wise be saved in the kingdom of God. Ye can, unless you have it, ye can no wise. Neither can ye be saved in the kingdom of God if ye have not faith. And neither if you have not hope. And then I love how he ends and he says, I would exhort you that you would come unto Christ and lay hold of every good gift. He's talking about the spiritual gifts. Touch not the evil gift, nor the unclean thing, and awake and arise from dust, O Jerusalem, yea, and put on thy beautiful garments, O daughter of Zion, and strengthen thy stakes and enlarge thy borders forever, that thou mayest no more be confounded, that the covenants of the eternal Father and that he hath made thee, O house of Israel, may be fulfilled. He says at the very end, these spiritual gifts are yours and they give you faith and they give you hope and they give you this pure love of Christ. These are real things and they make us hopeful and excited and they give us the power that we need to succeed. And then he says, awake and arise, O Jerusalem from the dust, put on your garments. You can be victorious. This is it. 
Yea, come unto Christ and be perfected in him and deny yourselves all ungodliness. And if ye shall deny yourselves of all ungodliness and love God with all your might, might, and strength, then is his grace sufficient for you, that by his grace you may be perfect in Christ. And if by the grace of God ye are perfect, ye can no wise deny the power. And then he ends up and he says, I'll see you. I'll see you soon. I will meet you in the heavens when he says, uh, my spirit and my body shall reunite and I am brought forth triumphant through the air to meet you before the pleasing bar of the great Jehovah, the eternal judge of both the quick and the dead. He ends the entire record testifying of Christ, the importance of these gifts of the spirit, the hope the faith and the pure love that they give us in his grace. Powerful stuff. And Paul is telling us the same thing. Go back, read it again. It's awesome. All right, next time. We went over time. Next time we are going to jump into 1 Corinthians 15 about resurrection and baptisms for the dead. See you next time.